Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. It's pretty hum- humbling to have a show with your name in the title. It is all about Him, all about God. We're here to worship our Savior Jesus, and we're going to have a great hour of teaching and discussion with Tom and Marsha Berkowitz. Uh, they're in studio, which makes it uh, extra nice for me because I always like seeing Tom and Marsha. And we're going to open up the phone lines because uh, Tom and Marsha. Uh, lead Edina uh, Community Bible Study, and have been doing that for 20-some years. And we're going to delve into the Old Testament today, and we're going to talk about appointed times. as Yom Kippur right now. We're going to talk about the meaning and significance of a lot of holidays, and we're going to dig into that. So if you have questions, let us know what they are. We'll take them anytime, 877-933-2484, 877-933-2484. It's a text line only. And I'm looking at Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 4. It says, It is the Lord your God you must follow, and him you must revere. Keep his commands and obey him. Serve him and hold fast to him. That just set the table beautifully for our discussion with the Berkowitzes. We'll be right back in 60 seconds. Faith Radio offers a free resource that will ground you in your faith each week. It's the prayer devotional email, and it's easy to receive. Simply sign up at MyFaithRadio.com under the subscriptions tab. Then you'll be sent a weekly message with words of inspiration and prayer. It's a wonderful way to connect with God and equip you for the week ahead. Once again, just visit MyFaithRadio.com, click on subscriptions, and sign up. You'll be blessed by the prayer devotional email. From furnace tune-ups to chopping firewood to new coat shopping, you're getting ready for the cold because it will come. I can't feel my face. As you listen to Faith Radio, you can dive deeper and deeper into your relationship with the Lord, rooting yourself in the truth of His Word so that when the winds of life blow in your work, relationships, finances, or health, you're ready. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. Berkowitz's is walk-up music. That's his friend Marty Getz. We love Marty. Who doesn't love Marty? Everybody loves Marty. Everyone loves Marty. Tom Berkowitz is in studio with his wife, Marcia. Marcia usually comes along and does not participate. However, today she is. So, Marcia, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. I can see you're real comfortable, aren't you? Yep. Yeah. Nice, uh, nice to have you participating today. All right, uh, Tom, Marcia, let's, uh, let's talk about appointed times today. This is going to be fun. 
Yes, it, it will really will be fun. And that's a biblical time. And it was, it was uh, started 6,000 years ago when God created the heavens and the earth. On the fourth day, on the fourth day, God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. They will serve as signs or seasons and for days and years. Now, in the Hebrew, and if you're using the Christian Standard Bible or if you're using the English Standard Bible, they footnote it, and they say for seasons, it's for the appointed times, Moedim. And what are the appointed times? Well, we're in the midst of some of the appointed times right now. We're uh, doing Yom Kippur, and we find all this. In Leviticus 23, I'm sure you read that every day, right? Usually every other day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Yom Kippur is specifically in Leviticus 16. But what we're looking for is the appointed times. God set the the lights by day and the lights by night Mm -hmm. to measure out his appointed times, his moedim. So he's, you know, it's important for us to understand that. So... It also says in Deuteronomy um, 4, and it's verse 10. Anyway, it, it, uh, verse, yeah, 9. It says, teach the appointed times to your children and your grandchildren. So we have an obligation not only to understand what these times are, but also to teach them. To our grandchildren. And if you start looking at Leviticus um, 23, the very first appointed times that they talk about is the Sabbath. So every week we have the Sabbath day. You work for six days and then on the seventh you rest. And Marsha and I weren't very good at this with our daughters growing up because we were really busy. But we take Deuteronomy 4 serious, not only to your children, but to your grandchildren. So we do do our grandchildren. I'll let Marcia tell what we do, and we're going to do it this Sunday. Or excuse me, this Friday when we get our family together. In fact, our grandkids will call us up and they'll say, Bubby, can we do Shabbat? Shabbat is Sabbath this week. And they look forward to it. So why don't you tell them what we do? Well, it varies depending on who's there, when it happens, and what food we're having because it kind of has to uh, get, there's a timing through it. So um, anyway, basically what we do is we do all sit around the table and the girls and I start by lighting the candles and ushering in the Shabbat, which officially begins at sundown. And then uh, then we go, and Tom starts with the prayers with the boys. Yeah, and what it is, is we are seven grandkids. They go 9875533. And every one except for the two three threes, because they're still speaking in another language that we don't always <laughs> understand. But the older ones, the two oldest ones are boys. And the boys will say the Hebrew prayers with me. Mm. The Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam. 
uh, Beret Paris Hagafen. So that's a blessing over the wine. Or Hamotzi Lakem Men Haoretz. That's the blessing over the bread. They will say it with me. And we started that with them at a young age because Shabbat is always to observe and to remember. So we have challah, the, the braided bread, and we'll break it. And during that time, we eat it, put a little salt on it because salt is brings it to life. And we remember and observe it because that's what God tells us to do. That's one of the appoint, appointed times. Well, as our two granddaughters, or we have four granddaughters, but as the older ones, we, who is seven, Alina, and the two five-year-olds, Marsha started teaching them prayers at the beginning. And now we have three little ones, and as they put their hands over the candle and they usher in not only the Sabbath, but the symbolic of bringing in the Holy Spirit to be present at our meal. And that way, our kids, our, our grandchildren, are getting an identity on who they are as followers of God. And one of the things that kept the Jewish people uh, distinct and a, uh, a people where they weren't drummed out is the Shabbat meal. They couldn't worship in synagogues always, but every week on Friday night at sundown, they could have that Shabbat meal and they could pass down the things of faith from generation to generation. We discuss the things of God when that's, we do it. So yeah. that's the first appointed time. It's fantastic. And what great family time. Yeah. It is, yeah. And I got to tell you, if it was left up to me, we wouldn't do Shabbat. Mm-hmm. But Marsha really took it on, and she makes sure we do all these things. And one of the greatest scriptures that we read is from Proverbs 31.10, and that's, uh, it talks about the godly woman, the godly wife. And we read that, and we do a blessing over the children and over each family. So they get, they understand the importance of, of their bubby, their grandmother, and their parents, and the women of the house and what they do to make sure our family stays under God's hand. Mm-hmm. It is kind of interesting because actually now the girls say the prayers with the boys also. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're taking like, over our territory. There's four of them and three yeah. grandsons, but they're taking it over. Mm-hmm. They know the Hebrew better than I do, for sure. So how long does this last? What is this Shabbat meal? Is it a, can you keep kids focused without looking at their phones for a while? Well, we don't have phones at the table when you do Shabbat. Oh, I would hope not. Uh it depends, like Marcia said, on what we're having. Some of them, we've learned that some of them are more time sensitive. But we'll spend 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then during the meal, it's supposed to be focused and talking about what's going on with God, too. So that's, if you look at Leviticus 23, that is the first appointed time. I love that, Tom. What a great tradition and something we should all be learning from. Mm-hmm. This time with the family talking about God and doing it from an early age on. It is. And, and it's it's beautiful. Yeah, I I didn't grow up with it, so I really appreciate it. Yeah, great. Here's what it says, and I'll, I'll read uh, Leviticus 23, 1. Yahweh, the Lord, spoke to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and tell them, These are the appointed times, the times of the Lord, 
that you will proclaim as sacred assemblies. You, then it goes into the Sabbath, the Shabbat, which is verse 3. So yeah. it starts off with that. It's, I don't know, it sends shivers through me. Yeah, me too. We'll take a break when we come back. Lots more with Tom and Marsha Berkowitz talking about uh, appointed times. Let us know if you have a question, 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. We'll be back. Marty, that the bumper music when you were on was all him. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if we have enough bumper music of Marty. Do we? And yeah, we'll find out. Tom and Marsha Bark- Berkowitz are in studio. We're talking about appointed times. Uh, so maybe it's time to move to the next one. What would it be? The uh, What would it be, Tom? Well, the next one they start talking about Passover, but I'd just as soon drop down to verse 23. Okay. Because that's where we are right now. Okay. And, and verse 23 uh, Yahweh spoke to Moses, tell the Israelites in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, right now we're on the tenth day of the month of the Hebrew calendar Tishri. So on the first day of the month is what uh, we read about is Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah. Yom Teruah is the sounding of the trumpets, the day of the trumpets. And that's the biblical holiday, but the rabbis call it Rosh Hashanah, which is, or Rosh Hashanah, however you want to mm-hmm. say the word, which means ahead of the year. It's the start of the, the really, the secular calendar for, uh, for, for the Jewish people. Okay. And what's important is, in Israel today, Israel's a secular country. Over 60% of the Jewish people are secular. But they stop on this day and don't do uh, any work. And what we like about this is it's the sounding of the chauffeur, the trumpets. It gets your attention. Mm-hmm. And it starts between now and what uh, at the first of Tishri through the 10th, which is Yom Kippur, which is where we, where we are now. And what it is is they call it the 10 days of awe, Yamin Norim, the 10 days of awe. And during that 10 days, from the blowing of the shofar until Yom Kippur, is people will reflect on what their lives have been. How have they served God? Have they served God? And they ask for forgiveness. And the greeting is Lashana Tova, which means a good year, but it also means may your name be written in the book of life. And then they go all the way up to Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement, the high part of where God, the high priest, went into the Holy of Holies and petitioned God to forget this, forgive their sins. First, he starts with himself, then his family, and then the nation, and they kill two goats. So that's what it comes up to. But they reflect during those 10 days. And... 
You know, we believe, first of all, they can't keep the holiday according to the Bible because there's no temple. Without the temple, there's no sacrifices. So 85% of all the 613 commandments cannot be kept today because the temple has been destroyed. So they come up with different ways. But this whole idea in, from the Jewish mindset is tikkun olam. In other words, a restoration of the world. God is restoring the world. And that led up to when Jesus came and walked this earth and he died for our sins. That is the restoration of the of the world, Tikan Olam. <laughs> so that's the start of it. And it's really a special time. I'll let Marsha talk about the different challah. When we do it on Shabbat, it's a braided bread, but mm-hmm. they switch it for... Uh, Just... Yeah, just right now for Rosh Hashanah, they, the loaf of bread is round. And the significance of that is because it's showing a completeness. It also often has, more mostly, has raisins in it because that adds to the sweetness, and it's the sweetness of life. And when families gather and, and uh, extended family come together. They want to offer this. You break the bread together. You eat the challah, and you. It's a significance is wishing them a complete year and a sweet year. Yeah, and so the the whole idea is to get your mind off of this world and focused on God. So the the three fall feasts are. Uh, Yom Teruah, the Feast of the Trumpets, they mm-hmm. call it Rosh Hashanah or Rosh Hashanah. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and then comes Sukkot. And Sukkot comes five days after Yom Kippur. And, and so we'll be celebrating that. If you go through Jewish neighborhoods, especially the uh, more Orthodox, you're going to see little sukkahs, and that's open... Um, it's like a shelter with an open end so they can look up to the skies and see what God has done for them and how he provided for them for 40 years in the wilderness. Mm. But it's also the great holiday when the second uh, temple was rebuilt. It was, if you look in the uh, book of Nehemiah, it was on on the 21st or the 15th day of Tishri, where Nehemiah and Ezra had all of Israel that came back from the Babylonian um, exile, and they read from the scriptures, and the member of the people would weep, and they said, don't weep, because this is Sukkot now. This is a time of rejoicing and celebration for God's provision. He just forgave your sins on Yom Kippur. Now it's a time of celebration. He said, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So he said it's a time of celebration. So that's where it comes biblically, but also in the thousand-year reign of God in the, or Jesus in the millennium, in Zechariah 14, the whole world will go up to Jerusalem for Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. So it's the most important of all the holidays. Hmm. So those are our three fall feasts. Now, if you go back, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say Sukkot, too. It, it has all the gourds, and it has all the, the Sukkots will be decorated with fruit and vegetables and palms, and because it also is a celebration of the fall harvest. Yes, it is. Thank you. So that, those are the three 
fall feasts. Those feasts have not been fulfilled by Jesus yet. Those feasts will be fulfilled in Jesus' second coming. The spring feasts, the four feasts there, which are Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, Abikarim, or the first fruits, and then Pentecost, Shavuot, those have all been fulfilled by Jesus in his first coming. He is our Passover lamb. Remember what John said in John uh, 1, Behold, the Lamb of God, as John the Baptist pointed out Jesus walking. So Jesus was crucified on Passover. The Feast of Unleavened Bread is a symbol of there's no leaven in him whatsoever. There is no sin. But he was raised on Habikarim, the Feast of the First Fruit, because that's the first day after the Sabbath of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So Jesus was crucified on Friday. He raised from the dead on Sunday, which was Habikarim. That's the first day of the week in the Jewish calendar. It's not uh, Monday. It is Sunday. Mm. So he was raised there. And then they count, count the Omer for 50 days to get to the Feast of Pentecost. And the beauty of Feast of Pentecost is this. We know that the law was given on the Feast of Pentecost. Moses went up to the uh, mountain and God gave him the Ten Commandments. He came down. They were worshiping uh, the golden calf and the Levites killed 3,000 people. Now go 1,500 years forward on the Feast of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was given by God and the people spoke. And what does it say in Acts 2? 3,000 people came into the saving knowledge of Jesus as their Lord and Messiah. So that all happened on the holidays. Wow. The appointed times. That's awesome. It's interesting, too, that unfortunately a lot of people who've grown up in the Christian church here do not even realize that Pentecost is in the Old Testament and was celebrated. Well, of course, I know that as the host of the show. Of course you do. I mean, I know you're not assuming I don't know that. No. No, uh, I we do. Know you that. would know that. We never correct you either. That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just because, like, I told you never to correct me, right? Yeah, oh, exactly. yes, yeah, for thank sure. You. Thank you. All right. Uh, Tom and Marsha Berkowitz are in the studio. We're talking about appointed times. This is fascinating. I'm just drinking this in. And let me know if you have a question. I just got a nice uh, note from a listener. And the listener said, uh, his name is Tom. Uh, just thank, I don't have a question. Just thankful you have two guests on who are talking about this Jewish celebration. Yes. Yeah, so we'll uh, take a little break when we come back. Lots more. And if you have a question or a comment, let us know what it is. 877-933-2484. Be back in 90 seconds.
Thanks for being with me today. Tom and Marcia Berkowitz are in studio. We're talking about appointed times. Fascinating. Rebecca, you asked a very interesting question during the break. And That's I the think, only time I ask interesting questions. Well, no, you asked. during the break. <laughs> so what I'd like you to do is re-ask that question and let Tom and Marsha respond. Oh, well, I'm loving the discussion because I am a believer in Christ, but I'm from a Gentile background. So a lot of this I've only read about through Bible study, and, and so I don't know all, all the background. I find it so fascinating. But as a Gentile believer in Christ, then I think a question often comes up. Uh, should I or people like me be observing uh, these feasts and festivals that God gave to the Israelite people um, as part of their observance, as part of their identity? It's not part of my earthly background, but I have been grafted in. So how might I be able to think about this? Rebecca, I can really relate to you because I didn't grow up with it either. And I, I, when I married Tom, I did not even know what a bagel was. We did not <laughs> it's have, delicious. We did not have them where I grew Especially up. With cream cheese. I, so I, I had no concept of what I was getting into marrying a Jewish man, even though he was secular. He was not walking in, in the, the but. Uh, once a Jew, always a Jew. Uh, those of you who know Tom know that he is uh, certainly Jewish. So anyway, um, I had to learn. And and what happened to me is it all, the, the scriptures all came alive when you see the significance and how they all, the Old Testament, like the Passover story, and it makes communion today come alive. And for that reason, it's, it, that has been so significant to me. And that's one of the reasons why we like to share these things and to, to expose people to those truths and those traditions that still have uh, significance. Yes, and also each one of the appointed times is a celebration of a harvest. And without God providing the rain in Israel... And that harvest, we wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to eat. And so it's very important that this is God's provision for people. He ordained these holidays so that they would stop and think about God. How did they get this food? When did the rains come, the earlier rains and the later rains? I mean, Israel has more than one harvest a year. My son-in-law, our son-in-law is a farmer and you know, they have one planting and one harvest. In Israel, it's not like that. They have more than one. So that's the importance of it. It brings you know, who you are. For example, every spring we do Palm Sunday, and they, the kids have the palm uh, branches and stuff signifying what Zechariah said would happen in Zechariah 8 with uh, the triumphal entry. But it's also the 10th of Nisan, which is a day of preparation. So in other words, they pick the lamb on the 10th of Nisan. In the Exodus story, we're teaching our class when we get to the Passover party. He said, take the lamb and really examine it. Make sure there is no flaw or any impurities in this lamb. Well, that happens on the 10th of Nisan. And for the next four days until the evening of the 14th, which when you slaughter the Passover lamb, you look to see if there's any flaws. If you read 
Matthew 21, 22, 23, and then get into where the high priest uh, put Jesus on trial and, and Pilate. What did they all say? They found no error in him, no bad teaching. There was nothing that would call, say that he was flawed in every way. In fact, Pilate said he is without sin. And I think that is really important for us to understand that Jesus went through this examination and it was intense and he was without flaw. I just think it brings our our story out when you also think about it, that Jesus, that God, when he created the uh, the heavens and the earth on the fourth day, he gave us the 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 daylight and the evening light so that we would know the appointed times that he calls. So, so that's pretty important. Yeah, he considered that pretty important on the fourth day of creation. He's given us that. Right. So he takes it seriously. He does take it yes. serious. Yeah. Do we? Um, I don't know if we do or if mm-hmm. we don't. What do you think? Well, when you talk about appointed times and Rebecca's question about, you know, as Gentiles were, were aware of these appointed times, but we don't honor them or celebrate them, but we'll, we'll celebrate Christmas and Easter, right? Right. And what does this all mean when you really think about it? And whether you're Jewish or you're grafted in as a Gentile into, into the new covenant, which was really sent to the house of Israel and the house of Judah, and from uh, Jeremiah 33, or 31, excuse me, what it's really saying is, is these, this is important. See, I had a senior moment. That's all right. I lost where I was going. But anyway, this is important because celebrating this, God said, be separate, be holy. Holy in Hebrew is kadosh. It means sanctify or separate, but it really means other than. Other than what? All the rest of the peoples who are not part of the covenant that do not have Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We're called to be different so that they can see that we're different. And that light that we shine because we are different, we honor the one true God, is designed to provoke them to jealousy. They will ask why you're doing this. If they get into the Scripture, the Scripture is powerful. It's God's most powerful gift to us. Signs and wonders and miracles are important. But they that will not keep you going in your walk with the Lord. They point you to his word, his word. Paul says in Romans uh, 10, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. In Romans 1, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God to the salvation of everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. So that's what it's supposed to do. We're supposed to be a separate people that we're different from everybody else. Mm-hmm. And you know what the opposite of holy is? Mm. Common. That's what common. So it's not unholy. It's what everybody else is. They're common. But we're called to be holy. Yeah. So if we're not living lives of distinction apart from the world, we're in trouble, aren't we? Well, that we're called. We're not walking right according to the marching orders of God. He told us to be different. We just saw a huge example of what it means to be different, and where that police officer in Dallas was uh, convicted of murdering that young man mm-hmm. in her apartment. Well, his apartment, she thought, was his. Right. And the brother 
18 years old, a strong believer in Jesus, got up and forgave her. She still has to serve the time. Forgave her and asked for permission to give her a hug. And he did. He wished her nothing but well. And that caused such a a firestorm because he did that because it is contrary to what the world wants. Another example is is the prayer uh, time that they had in Charleston, South Carolina, when that maniac went in and, and killed them all. And what did they do? They forgave him. That's not easy because you're just mourning a loved one. It makes no sense other than we're called to walk to a different beat. And that's what the appointed times are are designed to do so that we march to the beat that the Lord gives us to provoke the world to want him. It's, it's, a, it's a call to holiness, and it's also a challenge because many uh, would say that their life might look grafted into the society much like not a secular person. That's why Marsha is so holy. She forgives me every day for all She the... has to, though, right? <laughs> well, I don't know if she has to. I'm glad she does. <laughs> no comment. Yeah. But it's, it's, a, it's a great call, Tom and Marsha, to uh, consider following in the footsteps of celebrating these appointed festivals. Yes, it is. It, yes, it is. And, you know, too often today, we as believers, followers of Jesus will compromise our faith. We'll do something to be expedient, to make it easy for us. Mm, that's and a big word, expedient. We, what, is, what do you mean by that? Well, this week in my uh, CBS class, I taught on the first five plagues. And on the fourth plague, Pharaoh, finally, he, he's not repentant for his sin and not... Uh, bending his knee to God, but he is very sorry about the consequences. And he keeps hardening his heart. But in verse 24, um, he, he, or in verse 25, he finally says to Moses, then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, go sacrifice to your God within Egypt, within the country. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not what God said. God said, go three days in the wilderness and sacrifice. The goal, it, I mean, it would have been nice to be able to do it in Egypt because he said, yes, he was going to do that. He wasn't going to harden his heart and do it. Now, Moses said, I can't do it because we'd be repugnant to the Egyptian people and they'd kill us. But that's, they were servants of a god, Pharaoh. Pharaoh thought he was a god. So they, he could have made it so they wouldn't do it. And it would have been nice. They'd have been kind of obedient. They went and sacrificed and praised to God. But God said, go three days. So expedience would say, let's just do it in the country. It's okay because we're we're kind of correct. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. God is saying, no, follow my word and do it. You know, in Exodus 4, 24 to 26, Moses hadn't followed uh, God's commandment. He had not set us... circumcised his youngest son, Eliezer, and God struck him and was going to kill him until Zipporah, his wife, circumcised her youngest son and threw it down. Now, why didn't he do it? There's a lot of conversation. Part of it was because Zipporah, who was not 
Jewish, it was not a Hebrew, it wasn't her custom, found the whole idea repugnant, and she probably was in his ear, don't do this, I don't like it. So he didn't. But God says, no, that's what you're supposed to do. You're going to be the leader and deliverer of my people, and you're not going to be obedient? That's not going to happen. And she repented, and she threw it on her, uh, the foreskin on his feet, which was a sign of blood. So Zipporah showed great faith and saved Moses' life by being obedient to God, even though she didn't want to be. And that's what we're called to do. How much more that we're believers? Yeah. Wow, that's a great um, great reminder, Tom. Tom and Marcia Berkowitz are in studio. We're so enjoying this time. If you have uh, a question, let us know. Maybe you've been listening the last 45 minutes and you, you want us to... Um, elaborate on something you heard or clarify something, we'd be more than happy to do that. 877-933-2484. We'll take a short break and be back. Tom and Marcia Berkowitz are in my studio. Just had a listener wanting to know. Anyway, she's loved the discussion. She learned so much. She loved to sit and study it in detail. Where can I go to hear this or receive a written transcript? This is all coming out of Tom and Marcia's heads, so I'd say... There is no written transcript. That's not going to happen. <laughs> That's not going to happen. not going to happen. Plus, I can't type. <laughs> yeah, you had surgery on your wrist, didn't you? Right. A carpal did. tunnel? Carpal tunnel. That hurt? Not as much as a did before I had the yeah, surgery. Yeah, I'm glad you're getting some relief. Yeah, so, great relief. Yeah, um, talk about uh, Abraham seeing the stars in the daytime. That was a shock to me. Okay. that's That really happens in Genesis uh, 15. It was, just at, it was just after Abraham with 300 and some odd people went and got Lot back and all the... All the stuff uh, that they took from Lot and brought him back. And so 15 starts off, after these events, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your reward will be very great. Mm-hmm. Well, he just went and got him and he realizes he is, uh, that he is his shield but abram said to the lord what can you give me since i am childless and the heir to my house is eliezer of damascus abram continued look you you have given me no offspring so a slave born in my house will be my heir now the word of the lord came to him this is the one this one will not be your heir. Instead, the one who comes from your body will be your heir. Now, think about that. Abraham at this time was 85 years old. Sarah was 75. Mm-hmm. Man, how does that happen? They were, they were a child. They were barren. Then he took him outside and he said, look at the sky and count the stars if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. So he takes him out, and we all assume that it's night. And Abraham looks at it, 
and Abraham believed, and the Lord credited to him his righteousness. But if you drop down to verse 12, as the sun was setting, so he did that in the daylight. So he looked beyond the circumstances, and he knew he could see the stars that were going to be there at night, and he received what the Lord gave him in faith. That's Mm -hmm. why it was credited to him as righteousness. He couldn't literally see the stars, but he could see beyond the circumstances, and he knew the stars were there. Wow. That's what I I I meant. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever connected those dots. It's fascinating. Yeah, you probably wouldn't if you didn't connect uh, verse 12 with verse 4. As the sun was setting, a deep sleep came over Abram. So he saw that in the daylight. (laughs) Love it. You can't speed read the Bible. No, you really can't. You really can't. I want to come back to uh, expediency and and some of the things that we do in our Christian faith today, Tom and Marcia, that we would say is we're doing expediently and not taking our time or not following the way we should. Well, it's with uh, some of the things that we do in our churches and some of the things that we do you know, we we will do certain uh, tasks because they're comfortable and we can do them. But God told us that the common one, living together when you're when you're uh, uh, single, mm-hmm. not married. Well, we're going to get married in six months. It's expedient. Yeah, we'll stay together for six months. We'll be married, and that will cover cover our sin right now. That's the expediency Mm -hmm. that I'm thinking about. We know a pastor friend who had a music uh, leader who was very anointed, and he and his girlfriend moved in together. When the pastor found out, he said, I can't have you up front doing that. I'll marry you today. We will, you know, we'll forgive you. I'll marry you today. But if you don't do this, and he gave him three or four different ways he could do it, you cannot be up there and lead. Well, the guy said, we're going to be married in three months, and we have it all set. He said, no, that's not good enough. You can't serve in the church and live as an unmarried couple together. It just isn't what God has commanded us to do. And he did it with love and grace. And the guy said, no, I won't do it. And he said, I can't compromise Word of God. So you can do it in love and grace and mercy and give a way out. But at the end of the day, even in the interest of expediency, that would be a sin. Mm-hmm. I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. I think there's um, a, people have a, a low view of sin because they don't like talking about sin. I don't think sin's brought up. Sin's brought up on this show all the time. I think there's maybe not discussed in churches as much as it once was because you can't, you got to be careful what you call sin nowadays. Well, according to the world, not to me. Right. You know, in the the Hebrew, there's three different words that they use for sin. One is het, which means, literally means sin to miss the mark. Mm -hmm. The other one is uh, avon, which is iniquity, which means to twist and distort. So you take and twist and distort what God says, but then the most, the the most to me serious one is pesha, and that means rebellion. That's saying 
you're shaking your fist at God. I know what it says. There is no way I'm going to go around this. I'm just not going to do what you say because I want to do what I want to do. So you have that. Mr. Mark is, hey, sometimes we just screw up and we make a mistake. Mm -hmm. Or or iniquities, you twist the word around. We try to rationalize it to fit, to be expedient for us. Or it's just saying, God, I don't care what you say. This is about me. And that's what you're doing. You're shaking your fist at God. Mm Mm-hmm. That's rebellion. Mm-hmm. And well, it, those are serious sins. Mm-hmm. When the Bible talks about repent and believe, can you do one without the other? Well, that's what Pharaoh did. He always felt bad because of the consequences, but he didn't believe. He may have known in his head that Yahweh, the Lord, was God. But he certainly didn't have in his heart where he felt sorrow. It's like my brother, Bill, when I first witnessed to him when I became a believer, he got so angry I had to wipe the spit off my face. Mm-hmm. Ten years later, he, uh, we were talking, and I gave him a Bible because he asked for it, and he started reading it, and we went back and had lunch, and he said, You know, Tom, I know in my head that Jesus is Lord. There's not a doubt in my mind. I just can't get it in my heart. And I said, Bill, I can't help you with this. Those 18 inches between your head and your heart are the most important 18 inches in the world. That's something you're going to have to wrestle with God about. And you're going to have to come up. But until you transfer it from your head to your heart, it's not going to work. And, you know, Bill did that. He wrestled. Mm -hmm. He received it in his heart, and here's what, why it's important. He went and told his wife he now is a believer in Jesus. He's born again. She divorced him. So if he had it up here in his head, he probably would have walked away from what he had in his head. But once you get it in your heart, it's there. That's the difference between repentance to me. Did, That's he, really, did he feel... Punished, or how did he feel after his wife left him? He felt the joy of the Lord because it was in his heart. Okay. (laughs) All right. I mean, did he want to be divorced? No, it ripped him. But he knew what he did. He knew that he knew that he knew the truth. Right. Great. Well, we only have a couple minutes left, and this has been, I think, a very important conversation. And, Marsha, it's been so nice having you in studio as we talk about pointed times and it i think it's triggered me to want to go back and study it again and you did such a nice job of sharing it with us and listeners that i have a feeling they're going to want to do the same as well that's great yeah i think it's very important if we don't know where we're coming from and how big our god is how are we going to know where we're going Mm -hmm. i mean i have people tell me uh I don't like studying the God of the Old Testament because he's so angry and he's so full of punishment. I like the God of, I like Jesus and the God of the New Testament. And my response is, what, did God grow up? Did he mature? (laughs) I mean, give me a break. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't ever read Revelation, then come back and tell me that God doesn't judge. Right, exactly, exactly. It's interesting that there's such reverence for these appointed times in Israel, yet Israel is so secular. 
But I, you, you know, that's in fulfillment what Zachariah said. They would, God would bring them back from the four corners, and they come back in unbelief. And there in the land, they would see and they become believers. And that's going to rock the world. And it's going to turn it upside down. And more and more Israelis every day come into a saving knowledge wow. that Jesus is the Lord. Wow. And it's a trickle. Back in 1967, maybe there was four or five or six. Today, there's close to uh, 30,000. That's tremendous. I love hearing that. So I know, Tom and Marcia, you come in as regular guests of the show, which I so appreciate. And I just needed to let our listeners know, for those in the Twin Cities area, that you lead uh, Edina Community Bible Study on Monday nights. You've been doing that for many, many years. Yeah, 21 years. Yeah. And if you are in driving distance to Edina, you can participate in this, correct? They can. We know the people that run it, so we can get them in. Yeah, that's <laughs> nice. And the best uh, website to go to learn more about that is what? Uh, communitybiblestudy.org. Enter in your uh, zip code, and they'll lead you to the Edina Evening Perfect. Class. All right. It is housed at Christ Presbyterian, but they... It's we're just housed there. They just right. so they do not have the information right. to right. give you. All right. Thank you, uh, Tom and Marsha. That wraps up our time. We'll take a short break and then we'll be back with Jason Stonehouse in hour two. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at myfaithradio.com.